going to pose a question to start episode number 352 of Unscripted, and obviously the question is posed to Chris because he, well, he's here, and to anybody out there on and in and listening on Unscripted Air, any idea as to who won the uh, 100, I don't know what even number it was, any idea as to who won the Indy 500 yesterday or Sunday? Well, it was yesterday, I think. Memorial Day weekend down in the States. Um, hope everybody down in the United States is having a safe and pleasurable uh, long weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Um, best time of the year weather-wise between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Get out and enjoy it, folks. Um, your computers, and even though we want you to listen to Unscripted, you can take us along on any different, myriad of different uh, devices out there. They keep telling me every day. Um, also, Chris just got us on this new website that i want all of you to go on and tell them how great we are there is that a plug yeah that's a plug what's the name of the website you worked on ranker.com ranker.com yeah we're in first place for best sports cast uh best sports podcast, podcast. i should say yes yeah, yeah but we're, at, we're in first right now so if anyone wants to give us an upvote that would be great and to answer mike's question i actually did know who had the pool position i just didn't even look who i might. didn't even know it was i mean i knew it was i knew nothing about it it just i i am just totally flabbergasted how far in in my mind and how far it's gone down my importance from the wonderful and wacky world of sports because this was a big thing when I, in the 60s and 70s growing up especially you know we, there was always a race in Milwaukee the week after the Indy 500 so all the guys that were at Indy would go up the road up to Milwaukee and they'd have a a, a car race at uh, the Wisconsin State Speedway or Fairway whatever it was in Milwaukee but I don't even know who was in the race I don't obviously don't know who won the race Please tell me who won the uh, Indy 500. The guy who had the pole position. Well, won, congratulations! Which is uh, Simon Pagano, and he needed that because this is actually somewhat interesting. So there's this up-and-coming American racer named Alexander Rossi, and the two of them swapped the lead five times over the final 13 laps, and in the end, Simon Pagano won by. 0.2 seconds, Whoa. which is the seventh closest finish in the 103-year history of the Indy 500. Wow. All right. Congratulations, Simon. Well done. Um, when you're in the pole position, you're supposed to win, right? That's what A.J. Foyt always used to say. Car number 14. I remember A.J. Foyt. If you're in the pole position, the big Texan used to say, you're supposed to win. Simon was in the pole position, and he won. Congratulations. Um, obviously much more important and much more on the interest scale for me anyway. And I think most of us out there in unscripted land tonight, as we broadcast here on, I believe it's the 28th of May. I don't ever know anymore. 27th of May, maybe I'm 27th. not sure. 27th Monday. Um, tonight is the opener game one in the TD garden arena in Boston game one of the Stanley cup finals between the Boston Bruins and the very surprising St. Louis Blues. And this is why I think that we've got to have some modification in how we determine who's going to be the Jack Adam winner and all of the different major award winners in all professional sports. I'm not just taking a shot at hockey, but how can you not consider what the job Craig Berube has done in St. Louis this year as late in this season, as late as January 2nd, in 2019, the St. Louis Blues statistically 
and by the power rankings, which Chris knows, of course, as the standings, they were last. They were dead last in the National Hockey League. Five months later, whatever it is, they're in the Stanley Cup final. And um, I don't know how they did it, but I don't believe you can exclude Craig Berube from consideration for the Jack Adams Award with what a job he did is bringing these guys literally from the outhouse to the penthouse in about five months. He did an unbelievable job. First time in 49 years for the St. Louis Blues. These two teams met in that Stanley Cup final 49 years ago. Won by the Boston Bruins, led by the great one, Bobby Orr. Oh, that's, I can't say great one. That's Gretzky's thing. What's Bobby Orr's thing? Number four, Bobby Orr. Number four, Bobby Orr. <laughs> there you go. Number four, Bobby Orr. Um, so I'd like to, obviously, we, and I know that there are some people, I think, that have left some comments on one of our different social media avenues or with some input as to what they think could potentially happen. I think, obviously, just from sheer point of view, Boston will be rusty in game one after having seemingly had a month off. They're getting some people back. Those Adino Charo will play on Monday night, as will that little pest Marchant. He will play, even with the bad hand or finger or whatever it is, probably from flipping off a Boston police officer or something. Um, Sedino Charo will play, as I mentioned. Um, there's a lot of people, though, I, th- I truly believe this out there, that feel that Boston should win, but they wouldn't be surprised at all if the St. Louis Blues completed this improbable season and brought from being in last place as late as January 2nd, all the way to sipping champagne from Lord Stanley's Cup, that would be, we thought, and it was an unbelievable story last year in the National Hockey League, what the Las Vegas, excuse me, the Vegas Golden Knights did. But if these guys, meaning St. Louis, goes all the way from the last place on January 2nd to winning Lord Stanley's Cup middle of June, that's got to go down as one of the greatest stories in National Hockey League history as well. Yeah, it really does. And Jordan Biddington needs to, to get a lot of the credit there. He stormed onto the scene as they, I, I, he started the year as either the second or third stringer, and he is just carrying them. He got a shutout in one of their last games there, and he's just been spectacular. He racked up five shutouts really quickly when he came in and, and burst onto the scene. And there was a famous interview earlier in the year where some sports reporter was asking him, like, are you nervous about, you know, all this? And he just looked at him like a serial killer and was like, do I look nervous? <laughs> and just, you know, and so any if you have amazing elite goaltending, you can do anything in the hockey playoffs. That is the number one thing you need. Uh, maybe maybe uh, amazing coaching is number two at this point. But when you have a fierce competitor like Craig Berube, who was, well, he didn't just fight back then. Like, he's one of the guys I can still picture their fights from 25 years ago. Like he was just like, he was throwing everything behind those punches and then his hair was all long and it's swinging in the wind. And yeah, he's a, he's a competitor. Like there's no question about it. So there's some amazing pieces on this team. Of course, they've got Jay Bomeister and Peter Angelo eating up all the kinds of minutes and they've got, Oh geez, they got Tarasenko and all this. And they just, it really is surprising. The team was that bad to be honest at the beginning, but the comeback, mathematically is almost impossible from where they were at in early January, bottom of the league to potentially winning the cup. That just never happens, period. And we may be seeing it here. I would still expect them to come up short against Boston. I do too. And in the end, when we look back at it, we're just going to say, you know what? 
Boston, already the most spoiled fans ever. And as we mentioned last episode, uh, ones that really don't deserve wonderful things anyway. But, uh, you know, just if we look back at the path to the cup, if the Bruins can win it in the end, they'll have played their bitch in the playoffs every year, the Maple Leafs, and a bunch of wild card and low ranked teams. Like, that's it. That's all they had to do. It's, it, it'll, it'll go down as the easiest road to a four round cup. Uh, championship of all time it really will and that's all there is to it can you believe though what a year for those spoiled boston sports fans just think about it oh they if 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 the bruins bring home the cup you at the same sitting time you'll have the three major sports championships three out of four residing in boston the red sox won the world series last october the patriots won the super bowl in february of this year and potentially the Bruins could bring home the holy grail of the National Hockey League early to mid-June. There's a billboard in Boston right now that says something like... Celtics, you suck? No, well, no, it says, <laughs> no, that's a good one too, though. No, but it says, uh, it says, come on, Bruins, it's been 100 days since we won a championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. you know, asshole Boston fans or whatever. But I, I always bring this up too. So whatever this is... Um, Back in uh, 1964, the thing that was born the same year as Mike Jansen was Boston Pizza. And the, even though it's from Edmonton, that's where the name came from because all of the Boston teams were good. Oh, yeah. And it was so they wanted you, when you go to a sports bar, you wanted to associate the sports bar with winning. So they came up with Boston Pizza because Boston teams were always winning. And wow. here we are, all these years later, they're they're still they're still winning all the time. The so. only one that wasn't winning in 64 in Boston would have been the Red Sox then. Yeah, they wouldn't it. have been winning, winning World and, Series. And, and, and but they the might Patriots. have had some okay teams. Oh, sure. They had teams that were in World Series. The yeah, 67, they didn't win. But the 67 they... Red Sox were famous for not winning. But they were a good team. They were a hell of a good team. Yeah. Absolutely. And in 64, I'm not sure, but I, I believe in 64, it might have been 67, but it was Red Sox Cardinals in a World Series in there that was a really, really good one. Um, Doug Armstrong, general manager, St. Louis Blues. We talk about the uh, the job that Barube done. If you ever fire a coach, maybe you should give Doug Armstrong a call. What a brilliant move by the general manager. He just seemed to know. And that and the goaltender obviously had a lot to do with it. But Armstrong probably had a lot to do with this kid getting called up or wherever the hell he came from. The St. Louis goaltender that Chris was just talking about. Um, but... Armstrong has done a hell of a job in, in St. Louis as well. i got to give him some credit. We were just gaga last year, and rightfully so, with the job that George McPhee did assembling that team. A little bit different, but look at it this way. Again, they were in last place in all the National Hockey League on January 2nd. But keep in mind, too, that St. Louis, even though the St. Louis Blues have never won a Stanley Cup, and even though they haven't even been in the finals since 49 years ago in 1970, they are a model of consistency, much like... They're like a team. They're like the St. Louis Cardinals, except they don't actually ever win the big one. But remember, the St. Louis Blues made the playoffs. I think it was thirty-three years in a row, yeah, something like that. Right? Yeah. You know, and I mean, so it's not like they're a bad team. So St. Louis, even though they only have two of the big four sports anymore now to, for teams to root for, mm-hmm. those two franchises, if nothing else, consistently Consist- make the playoffs and do well overall. It's just that only one of them actually wins championships uh, until maybe this year. So there's been a lot of really good, you know, management and consistency and everything. So uh, this is nothing new for the city of St. Louis, I don't think. I will say, before I forget, out of all the news we were talking about, I forgot about this, but uh, staying with 
you know, GMs and coaches and the National Hockey League, it will be announced tomorrow that Dave Tippett will be the new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, okay. So that will be at a press conference tomorrow. We don't have an exact time yet. Wasn't but... he the guy that was supposedly working for Seattle? He was working for Seattle, not as a coach. No, no, I know that. They don't have a team yet. Yeah, but uh, he was never tabbed to be the coach, but he was doing something there. And so they're bringing him in. So it's interesting about uh, the hire here because a lot of people, probably the same people that were a bit down on Ken Holland, probably a bit down on Dave Tippett. But, you know, the, the whole goal, as stated by Ken Holland, was he wants stability. And Dave Tippett has proven to be a guy who has lasted on teams as a head coach at the National Hockey League level for many years at a time. And every time he's taken over a team, once in junior and twice in the NHL, all three times the team got markedly better immediately. Mm. So he's, you know, he's seen as a defensive coach, but that could have been partly because he didn't have much to work with, especially in Arizona. So now when he comes to Edmonton, when you've got McDavid and Dreisaitl, you don't necessarily have to have some sort of insane defensive system to cover up all your weaknesses when you have guys that can score. So it will be interesting to see what uh, Dave Tippett does. But sorry, I just wanted to mention no, that. Why? I, no, why? Sorry. Yeah, I forgot. It's news. I, I, did, I just forgot about that. I hadn't that heard too. about that. I didn't see it on my phone, and, and uh, you're well, making I'm breaking, breaking news. I'm dialed in with the Oilers there for sure. I'm always... Gee, oh, I, gee you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm watching them all the time. So uh, This just in fun. from Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers had to go to the bathroom at OTAs. That's how hooked him and I'm in with the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. So I, I get what you're talking yeah, yeah. about with the Edmonton Oilers. Are you happy with this as, as the coach? Will this I, bring I, a smile to your face? I don't know that the, it's not a splashy hire. Like it's the biggest name out there probably, but it's not really a splashy hire. I would have liked to have seen Todd Nelson, no. who, who, as we've said before, right. uh, was there in on an interim basis right before they won the McDavid lottery. And just a great guy, really just loved by everybody. Did he have any connection to Holland? Yes, ironically. That's the funny thing. So it just a quince, it's a coincidence that... Uh, he was he had ties to everybody. He had already coached the Oilers. Right. He's the head coach of the Red Wings minor league affiliate, right. uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins. Correct. And the guy who's advising uh, Ken Holland on the coaching search the most is former coach Ken Hitchcock. And Todd Nelson and Ken Hitchcock worked together in Dallas. So basically, in every way, Todd Nelson had a tie, and is probably going to. Uh, he probably finished second place. I'm going to guess. And uh, he's great and all that, but Dave Tippett is a bit more proven and has more experience as a head coach at the NHL level. And if you're looking for stability, which Ken Holland is, he wants to get rid of this. Everything's changing every year or two in, in the Oiler land, and uh, everyone has ties to the Oilers and all that. He just wants to go kind of brand new. And so it's probably the right hire in the same way that Ken Holland is the right hire. I think you have to look at it as you want guys with stability and experience, and those two are you know have that as much as you can but uh, the the guys who love the fancy splashy signings and the hot young hot shots might be a little bit disappointed but overall it, i'm not going to be super excited about it but i think it's the right decision well they need to um they need to unleash the hounds up there they need to they need to uh they need to be better, and they need to be winning the Battle of Alberta here, guys. It's getting a little sickening in my household to listen to this <laughs> gold flames, gold flames bullshit all the time. Well, but it, it, in fairness, the, the, the Oilers recently released a survey to fans, and as you can imagine, thousands of fans filled out the survey very enthusiastically about what needs to change. Yeah. 
And the biggest thing that everyone seems to agree on was that they wanted to clean out a lot of the old management. So Craig McTavish has taken a job as a head coach of uh, Lokomotiv Yaroslavl, which is the Russian team that had the unfortunate plane crash where their whole team died in 2011, including former Flames captain Brad McCrimmon, older older brother of Kelly McCrimmon. Mm -hmm. And so that's where McTavish is going. Uh, Dwayne Sutter, one of the six or eight Sutter brothers. Or a hundred. Yeah, head coach, or sorry, head of pro scouting. Uh, he's been relieved of his duties now, wow. so he's They're gone. Cleaning house. They're cleaning house, and uh, they just let somebody else go as well. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank on who that was. Well, but... you know what? That's good because the old way hadn't been working. So let's try this. And you've obviously given Ken Holland 25 million reasons to make it work. So um, I'm, I, you know, if you're happy with it, then uh, or at least satisfied with it, um, sometimes the splashy hire isn't the one that works. Oh, 100%. As you well know. 100%. As you well know. And I wonder if, and it's not his fault because he didn't have some of the weapons to work with, to my recollection, when Todd Nelson was here in Edmonton the first time. But maybe that played into their decision as well. I I have no idea. I'm just, you know, I kind of thought from when you first told me that they were going to talk to Tippett, I kind of thought that, and I kind of got a feeling from you that uh, obviously this was going to be the next coach of the Edmonton Oilers. So, Let's go get some wins. Um, basketball. Now, I won't go long into this because it's unfair to Chris, but I do have to say this. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. You won. You came back. Um, you rode your horse. You got, obviously, games uh, three through six. You got much better bench production. I don't know where uh, Marvin Powell or whatever his name yeah, Norman is. Norman Powell. Norman Powell, where the hell he has been. Uh, the first two games of this series, but he was unbelievable in games three through six. But I just want to say one thing, and it's not because I'm from the state of Wisconsin and my team lost their first chance to go to an NBA final since 1974. You guys were down two, came back and won the series. Congratulations. But I got to say this. Um, Milwaukee led by double-digit instances on more than one occasion during all four games and for some reason the third quarter which had been a strength of the Bucks, was their downfall in the last four games against Toronto and give credit where credit is due Toronto played better they, they moved their feet better on defense they found a way to shut down a little bit Giannis Antetokounmpo um, they did some very creative things defensively I think Nick Nurse did a hell of a job I think Nick Nurse outcoached Mike Budenholzer why did why did Ante uh, did, uh, Giannis Ante Tacumbo only play thirty seven minutes per game during this season? If you lose your season's done, you'll have t- plenty of time to rest. Um, I think that Nick Nurse did a better job than Mike Budenholzer did, and I think that was a big difference. His rotations were a big difference, and Milwaukee shooting was terrible. Um, and you knew when Brooke Lopez scores 29 points in game two, that that wasn't probably a good omen because if you've got a bank on getting 29 points from Brooke Lopez every night, that's a main reason why the Milwaukee Bucks are going home and the Toronto Raptors will host the Golden State Warriors on Thursday night from Scotiabank Arena in downtown Toronto. But I'm going to throw a little water on your, on your fire here, folks. I'm going to piss on your parade a little bit. 
even if you guys complete the improbable and win the NBA championship, which I believe you can do, I really do. I'm not automatically handing this over to the Golden State Warriors. Kawhi Leonard is on a mission. He is playing unbelievably. He's leading this team. He's put them on the, on their back, literally. And he is leading them to the promised land. And he's the reason why Masai Ujiri made the trade. Obviously. But I got to ask you guys, come on now. Come on. Let's be honest here. This is why it's so important for Toronto to do well in this upcoming NBA Finals, in my opinion. Do you think you have a snowball's chance in Phoenix of retaining Kawhi Leonard at the end of the season? Realistically. Do you think they do? I've got an answer, but I want to hear from you. I don't know how to put a number. I don't want to say zero, but the chances of them... uh... Let's say I'll be really optimistic, and I'll say 25%. Okay. Now, I know, and you know all that, too. If you if you listen to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, and if you are joining us, welcome to episode number 352. You all know, you all, listen to me now, I'm bringing my southern roots out here. Um, you know that they play these games for a reason. But if Kawhi Leonard... Kawhi Leonard has done everything that has been expected and more. He's gotten the Toronto Raptors to their first NBA Finals in franchise history. And he has been the main weapon. But if he does, and I believe now, even if just getting to the Finals will cement this, there are going to be how many teams out there are going to be... And I know the the Raptors can offer the most money in regard to they own his what they call bird rights. So the... The, the Raptors can offer him the most money. But if he goes... Now, supposedly there's already been talk between LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. We know that the Clippers have been sending somebody to each and every Raptors game this year to make to keep a, you know, keep a, a bit of a dialogue open between the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. I think there are going to be more teams involved. I think New York potentially could be in play here. Um, I think Kawhi Leonard wants to be in the big, on the big stage. Toronto's a big stage, folks, don't get me wrong. If Toronto was in the continent of the United States, it'd be the fourth biggest city. But I'm talking stage as in media. Can you think of the New York Knicks, as much as I despise them and as much as I can't stand their owner, James Dolan, think of with the money that they have available, think if they could put, and they have the ability to do this, folks, with the cap space that they have, put a team of KD, Kyrie Irving, and potentially Kawhi Leonard all together in New York. That would be unbelievable. It'd be really funny because it'd be called the KKK group. (laughs) (laughs) There has been noise in Los Angeles, and I've heard this from more than one, that there has been discussion about a KD and Kawhi Leonard teaming up in Los Angeles as members of the Clippers. So I hope Toronto does well. I am proud of them, and if it, and if they had beaten any other team in the Eastern Conference besides my home state Bucks, I'd be all over the Raptors, and I'd be out there in Jurassic Park, and I'd be having a good time. But they took out my team, so you know you understand. It's like for you people in Ontario, if you grew up watching the Maple Leafs or the Raptors, you always have a kinship to them. I grew up watching the Bucks, the Packers, the Badgers, and the Brewers. And you know by listening to Unscripted that I have a kinship with all four of them. Um, 
preposterous. I want to hear Chris's as we continue on quickly here in the NBA. But um, news on Stephen A. Smith this week, and uh, I think this is preposterous. I know uh, the Golden State Warriors are favored in this upcoming uh, NBA Finals. They should be. They've won three out of the last four years. Should have been four in a row. Um, I know they open in Toronto, but it is preposterous to these some of these people that believe that the Golden State Warriors are better without Kevin Durant in their lineup. And all I've got to say is two words to that. Bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. So I think what's going on here is that the Golden State Warriors are so talented and so stacked and then they work together so well on top of that, and they've got all this experience, not just playing together like a lot of teams do, but playing together in the playoffs at a high level when it matters most. And they're just all, all of a sudden, after a few years, they're just, this is all old hat to them. And you can't really have much more, ta- like, how much more talent could you really have here? Like, what are you going to do? Like, add, add Giannis? Like, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you can't really get more than this. So they're so maxed out that... Whether you have Kevin Durant or not, who on his own, as we saw in OKC, on his own is unbelievable. It's so over the top that whether he's there or not, you can't really get more talented. Like it's just, it's the amount, if they're already as a team, like 98 of 100, what does he do? Make them 99? Like well, it's, it's, it, it doesn't seem like that much to the average person. I, I agree. And aren't, aren't, you always look like you're a rocket scientist and when you take up those shots that Durant isn't in the lineup taking, well, it's pretty nice fallback when you can have guys like Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson take up that those extra shots. That's pretty encouraging. And people forget that the Golden State Warriors won championships. Oh, my God. They won championships without Kevin Durant. I think they're very, very viable to do it again. They need Andre Iguodala back for the defense that he plays. Andre Iguodala on Kawhi Leonard would be a hell of a matchup for the Golden State Warriors moving forward because of the defense that Iguodala can play and has played in the past on uh, Kawhi Leonard. You know, it really simply comes down to this, is, and it's, it's, it's not rocket science, it's basketball, guys. But it really comes down to this, who makes more shots, who scores more points. And I think right now, offensively, um, I think that the Golden State Warriors, because they can distribute the basketball better, obviously, than the Milwaukee Bucks can at this point, I think that makes the, the difference, and I think that's the reason that the Golden State Warriors win this series. And it could go six games. It might go seven. But I think ultimately, I think the Golden State Warriors will ultimately win their fourth NBA championship in the last five years. I think Toronto's going to give them a hell of a run. I really, really, truly believe that. But, you know, even though Kevin Durant has been ruled out of game one on Thursday, I believe Durant makes an appearance before the end of the series. And um, here's something to think about, just in the back of your mind. When you're listening in Canada, when you're listening to Leo Rautens or Jack Armstrong spew some bullshit over national television airwaves, just get this in the back of your mind. Uh... Stephen Curry grew up launching basketballs when his dad played for the Raptors. Uh, back in the old ACC, uh, now it's, of course, Scotiabank Arena, but going all the way back to the days when they used to play in, the, in what they used to call the Sky Dome, now it's whatever it is. But Stephen Curry has often said that one of his favorite places to shoot is in Toronto. I don't know how important that is, but when, when Stephen, Stephen Curry remembers 
where he likes to shoot and specific places that he likes to shoot, that's not good news for the Toronto Raptors because I think because of the absence of Durant, it doesn't make them a, a, a better basketball team, but what it makes is their better players that much better. They have to be to make up for the slack of not having number 35 in their lineup. Yeah, but you're right that Kevin Durant really is just a guy they added on after they were, they were already a dynasty. And to me, Kevin Durant is almost like a rental, but just long, yes. longer than normal. Correct. But that's what he is. He's like when the New York Rangers or the Washington Capitals are just gearing up for playoff run, they add somebody extra or something. And it's just that he's just stayed a little longer than the average rental, but he's going away after this. Then he'll really feel like a rental. So, yeah, I mean, overall... I, I don't know if adding him was even really worth it in the end. You know, I mean, for him, it was worth going there because he got a couple rings, even though even though he went through just a massive change in how he was perceived by the public from the best guy ever to just some typical sellout asshole. And <laughs> I, he really did. And I don't know. And, and I think that it is worth it for a couple championships uh, or more uh when you do that but to the average person they would find it really hard to go from a you the real mvp hero you know who loves his mom to whatever this guy has become and a lot of people would actually have a really hard time with that and i actually think that he has as well before we get out of here on this uh 352nd episode a couple of quick congratulatory notes switching back to the uh from the world of hockey a quick note here in the memorial cup which is huge in Canada. It's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and the Western Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League, and they crown a champion. Big tournament at the end of the year. This year it was in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Ruin Noranda. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm trying. Ruin Noranda beats Halifax to take home the Memorial Cup. And again, the, the homestanding Halifax team uh, come in second place. But uh, I watched about eight minutes of that the other day. It was amazing to me. It was like the Super Bowl had come to Halifax. Now I know put it in, you know, put it in its perspective size, but there was a thousands of people that had descended onto Halifax to watch this this uh major hockey tournament in the country of Canada and uh maybe you don't and haven't heard about it in the United States, but let me tell you folks, in junior hockey, this is huge in Canada, the Memorial Cup. It is a big thing. And uh, the winners are Ruen Noranda from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, here, I'll put it in perspective. Quebec Major, that's where Sidney Crosby came from. How's that? Does that help? Uh, Also, I don't have much respect for this tournament. It's kind of like the consolation. It's kind of like the NIT in the the Major Men's Basketball Conference in, in regard to college men's basketball tournament. This is the Hockey World Championships but it's still professional players competing at the highest level, and so you got to give it respect. I think it's the consolation bowl, but you know me. I'm just an idiot American. Um, Finland defeated Canada at the Hockey Worlds on Sunday, so congratulations to the Finnish for winning the the runner-up bowl. <laughs> I, you know, I, I know it's not giving it proper respect. I understand that, but you know, guys are eligible. The guys that that don't make the playoff, and then the guys that teams that get eliminated in the first round so if they want their seasons to continue they go and play a couple extra weeks and do they get paid for that probably not probably not don't think so not for, <laughs> not for the world not for the world hockey championship we've got to run but again congratulations to those two hockey squads for taking home uh, symbolic victories and uh 
maybe next year for the for the the uh, pay for play guys, maybe next year you'll make the real playoffs. Um, well, that was disrespectful. Oh well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to run on this 352nd episode of Unscripted. Thank you mer- very much for joining us, and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.